Father, we lift up our sister Bonnie to you, Lord, and we uh, uh, acknowledge how much of an encourager she is and how, Lord, she has prayed for many of us personally here in our church family. And Lord, at this time, we are praying for her and we are praying, Lord, simply that you would heal her that you would remove the infection from her body and that you would clear up her lungs and that you would strengthen her and that you would restore her to health. And I pray, Lord, that she would be home soon and strong and able to share with us the testimony of your healing power and your amazing grace. And Lord, we pray this with great faith that you would uh, heal her. And we pray, Lord, in your name, Jesus. Amen. I have a question for you this morning. What in your life is stressing you out, making you feel depressed, has you worried, has you afraid? I want you to think about it. Maybe it is something that's global. You look at our world. And you're concerned that you see so much violence and so much chaos. Maybe it is something in our nation. You see a a nation also in chaos with violence, a lot of immorality. Maybe you feel it's going the wrong direction. And it concerns you, stresses you out. Maybe it's something here more locally that you see that keeps you up at night, maybe in your family, loved ones who are far from the Lord, loved ones who aren't saved, loved ones who are sick, loved ones who are going down a path of destruction. There could be lots of things, family members without jobs, struggling to make ends meet. Maybe it's in your own family, these things are, are oppressive to you as you deal with them. Maybe at work, you hate your boss, you hate your job, you don't get enough money for doing what you do. You don't like to go in the morning and you're stressed out when you come back in the evening. Or maybe it's something more personal. A, a struggle with sin. A struggle with health. I want you to think this morning of what is weighing down on you. And I know you don't, I don't have to give you much time for you to think of at least one or several things that are burdened to you this morning. As you think about that, Even the thought of it can be overwhelming. But the hope and the good news this morning is that God is at work always, all the time, in all the areas of your life as He uses His servants to bless you and help you and encourage you. We have spent several weeks in the book of Hosea A lot of harsh words from God. Uh, A a lot of looking at a nation who was arrogant, unrepentant, 
defiant, filled with sin, running from God. How many more ways can I describe how awful the nation was and how far away they were from God? But I want to give a message of hope in the next month as we look and see that in the midst of all of that that was happening, God was still at work. If you've ever read the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, that's the main point of his book. In fact, I don't remember a whole lot about it except for this truth that God is at work. And really his challenge to us is find out where God is working and join him. And when we join him, we are doing God's work and God always blesses the work that he is doing. I want us to take just a quick step back into history Remember, the nation of Israel is the northern kingdom that was split from the southern kingdom after the death of Solomon. And the northern kingdom had successive evil kings that introduced and continued false worship of idols, especially Baal. They did not obey the law of Moses. They did not listen to God. They were far from God. And you know, the prophets that came to warn the people and those kings, you're familiar with the prophet Elijah and the stories of him and his battle against uh, Baal and against King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. He was a prophet for about 20 years, and we'll see in a moment the story of how his ministry was transferred to Elisha. Elisha ministered for almost 60 years through these other evil kings, all beginning with the letter J. And hard to say, Jehoram, Jehu, Jehoaz, Jehoash. Amos, God sent during the reign of Jeroboam II for about seven years. And the man we have looked at for the last few weeks, Hosea, who also ministered during that reign of Jeroboam II, and then the last six kings of Israel. The reason I show you this is to show you that the kings continued to be evil, and the nation continued to fall away from God, although God continued to send prophets telling them to come back and to repent and obey the Lord. God didn't give up on His people. God was patient with His people. But I also want you to see, as we study the book of Elisha, or not the book of Elisha, but the story of Elisha, that in the midst of all of that, when God was saying repent and God was bringing uh, judgment and punishment, in the midst of all that, God was still at work. And not every individual had turned from God. And so, in fact, Elijah was ready to give up because he had done everything he could. But King Ahab didn't repent. Jezebel wanted to kill him. All he could see around him depressed him, overwhelmed him, stressed him out. But God said to Elijah, I will leave several thousand in Israel, every knee that has not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. In other words, God told Elijah, you're not alone. Elijah, you're not the only one who is following me. And Elijah, I am working through all of these people. God was working in their lives, was blessing them, was protecting them, was seeing them through all of this chaos. 
So I want you to understand that, that whatever is burdening you as you look at it, God is still working in your life. And He hasn't abandoned you. You're not alone. He is working. And it's true of our world and our nation today. God has not abandoned us. We are not alone. God is working in lives and nations and rulers and leaders. And He is at work and He is carrying out His plan. Even though we may not understand it or not know how it's going to work out, we do not have to allow it to burden us and overwhelm us. But I want us to see that God often does His work through His people, through His servants. I want you to think about that for a moment. God can and God has at times simply by His direct action, done something with no one in between, no angel, no person. But that is not the usual way that God works. The usual way God works is to use us. As we often talk about, we are His hands, we are His feet, we are His voice. When we look at what overwhelms us, and often we're crying out to God for God to do something, God says, I am doing something, but I'm doing it through you, so you need to get to work and get busy. Don't we often want God to do things without involving us? (laughs) We just want God to fix things. God will fix things, but He wants to use His servants to do that. And so we come to Elisha, and I love this uh, picture here of Elisha being called to ministry because, as you can see, on the right side it is in black and white, but on the left it's colorized, indicating that as Elijah came to call Elisha to ministry, uh, that call and that authority to be a servant of God changed his life from one that was in black and white into one that was in technicolor. Here's a picture of the verses that are in 1 Kings 19. Elijah left there and found Elisha. In fact, this is right after God encouraged Elijah that you're not alone. And here's one way to show Elijah he's not alone. He is going to another man to call him to ministry to be his successor. So Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what have I done to you? So he turned back from following him, took the team of oxen, and slaughtered them. With the oxen's wooden yoke and plow, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. Elisha, as we notice here, was plowing. So he was a farmer. He was young enough that his parents were still alive, so we assume he was a young man. And he was from a wealthy family. There were 12 teams of oxen 
not 12 oxen. So 12 teams, there were 11 others plowing with him. So think about that. If you have that many plowers, that's the right word, and if you have that much land to plow up, he was living in a wealthy family, serving his parents when Elijah, Elijah came to him and covered him with his mantle. His mantle was his cloak, his outer garment. It almost looks like a blanket in this picture, but it was a symbol of authority. Elijah was the prophet of God for the nation of Israel. But he gave that authority to this young man, Elisha. It was Elisha's choice. He could remain with his family. I imagine he would have had a relatively easy life, prosperous life, wealthy life. Probably like most in his family had done, he probably would have had a family, maybe lived a long life, and that could have been his path. But he knew that God was calling him to serve as Elijah had, to be a prophet, to speak for God, to work in the name of God, to serve the Lord. And so he knew what he was being asked. It was his time now to make a choice. He only asked Elijah for one thing, to be able to say goodbye to his parents. Elijah said, go ahead. What's that have to do with me? I'm not holding you back from doing that. But once he said goodbye, he took those oxen and those yokes and he tore up the yokes, used them to build a fire, slaughtered the oxen, sacrificed them to the Lord. Notice that symbolically he was giving it all to the Lord. And he was offering it as a sacrifice to God. And from that day on, he wasn't at home, he wasn't farming, he was following Elijah, learning, growing, preparing himself for the ministry that he would have. And I would say that we too should be like Elijah, who gave up everything to follow the Lord. As I said, there's two parts to this overwhelming sense of burden. The one is that as we call out to God, God does help us. But the other side is that it's through others. And so at times we are the ones who are his servants who are helping others. At other times we are the ones receiving the help. But whether we're receiving it, whether we are giving it, all of us are called like Elisha was to serve the Lord and to follow him. Even Jesus said that we are to love him more than family, more than anything in our life. And so for us, it may literally mean leaving family, as Elisha did, or leaving whatever God calls us to abandon to follow him, as the disciples did. They left family, they left jobs, they left professions, they left wealth. Peter said, Lord, we've left it all to follow you. If Elisha, the disciples, were called in this way, why should we be any different? Are we more special than they are? 
We're called to do the same. And therefore, we become a servant that becomes a vessel, a, a, a blessing to others. And likewise, we receive the blessing from those who are servants. So you see, if all of us are obedient to the call of God and serve as God leads us, then all of, our, all of us are cared for by the hand of God through His servants. And so, we see this in Elisha's life. Elisha's called... But then he follows Elijah, and then you know the story of how Elijah is taken up into heaven in a chariot in a whirlwind. And right leading up to that, Elisha is following Elijah. Elijah keeps telling Elisha, uh, just stay here, I'm going on. And Elisha continued to follow Elijah from city to city to city. Elisha asking for double the portion of the Holy Spirit that Elijah had. That was the inheritance of the firstborn, double the portion. So Elisha is, in a sense, saying to his spiritual father, Dad, I want the firstborn's inheritance. And Elijah says, if you're with me, when I leave, the Lord will give it to you. And that's what happened. Elisha was there at the moment, and he saw Elijah ascend into heaven. And Elisha's ministry was one of powerful works of the Lord. As you heard in the video, Elisha's miracles recorded in Scripture are second only to Jesus Himself, the number of miracles that He did. And I want us to see, beginning with today, that Elisha's miracles weren't always big ones, but were also little ones. Big or small, God does care about it all. I think that's illustrated by the work that Elisha did in his ministry for those who had every day, you may even call them mundane, normal problems that we all have. But Elisha the prophet was humble enough and the Lord was compassionate enough to meet those mundane needs. Not simply taking care of the big things, but also the little things. Quickly, I want you to see five miracles of Elisha that weren't big ones. They were just meeting the everyday needs of God's people. Elisha, after Elijah ascended into heaven, some of the prophets wanted to go find Elijah. You know, they thought that uh, maybe he went up and he came down. You know, what goes up must come down. And so they were looking for him. Elisha knew it was fruitless, but he indulged them and they went and looked, couldn't find Elijah. And so the next account tells us that Elisha's at Jericho and they have a problem. They don't have any drinking water. And the water that they use to put on their crops doesn't do anything. Now isn't that an everyday problem? Globally, it's a huge problem. Simply needing water. Do you think God cares about His people having water? We did in Elisha's day. Elisha said, give me a bowl and put some salt in it. Elisha went to the spring threw the salt into the spring, 
and the water was purified. Of course, it was a miracle. You just can't take salt and throw it into a well and it's going to make the water purified. But it was a miracle. But a miracle to meet the needs of this city needing water to drink. Also, there was a widow. Her husband had been one of the prophets. As we see Elisha's ministry, we'll hear this phrase, sons of the prophets. It seems as though Elisha, as the prophet, also had other prophets who ministered with him. And they were a community that stayed together as well. Well, one of these prophets died. His wife was now a widow, and now she was poor and destitute. In fact, the creditors were coming to take her children and make them slaves to pay off her debt. That would overwhelm you, wouldn't it? Your husband has died. Your children are about to become slaves. You need money. Does God care about that? In Elisha's day, he did. Elisha said to her, What do you have? She said, I have a jug of oil. He said, get as many other jugs as you can. And so she got her children to go and get the jugs. They brought all these containers that they could, brought them to the house. He said, pour the oil into the containers. So she did. Every time she had another container, the oil filled it up. That's a miracle. She just had one. But that one was filling up one after another, after another, after another. Until there were no more jugs left. And then it ended. But that was enough. She sold that oil, paid off her debts, and her children remained at home. God cares about family. What about the food you eat? The sons of the prophets had gathered to have a meal. One of them went out to get stuff for the stew he was about to make. He found this vine. He didn't know what it was, but it had these gourds growing on it. He thought, well, this looks like it would make a good stew. So he collected them all, chopped them up, put them in the stew. They started to eat it. And somehow, very quickly, they realized they were in trouble. It wasn't that it just didn't taste good. It was dangerous. Does God care about the food we eat? In this case, he did. Again, this was a miracle. Elisha put flour in it, and it was purified, it was fixed, it was edible. Uh, you know, this isn't a recipe to fix spoiled food. Just throw flour on it, and then it's okay. But it shows you, again, that God cared, and that he did a miracle, so that these men would not die from the food that they were eating. This miracle sounds familiar, doesn't it? A man brought 20 loaves of bread to Elisha. Now, this is interesting, too. These were the loaves of bread that were supposed to be presented as a sacrifice to God. There was a, these were his first fruits. So this shows us something, that this man was a godly man, and instead of taking it to a priest who was false in his worship, he brought it to Elisha, a true prophet. And Elisha says to him, Take the bread and feed everybody. And the guy says, there's not enough bread here to feed all these people. 
Elisha said, God says it'll be enough. And they started passing out the bread. And there was enough. And there were leftovers. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Jesus feeding 5,000 plus people in much the same way. Showing that God will provide, but also simply providing the food. Again, notice God's provided water. He's provided stew. He's provided bread. <laughs> he's, providing, he's providing lunch there. He cares about these everyday things. And finally, this one also shows us how God cares about the things that worry us. Uh, the sons of the prophets were growing. They wanted a bigger place to stay. And so they asked Elisha, should we build a place? And he said, go ahead. So they went to the Jordan River. They're chopping down trees. They're getting ready to make a bigger building. And this guy has this axe and he's swinging it. And whew, the head of the axe flies off into the river and it sinks. He is freaking out because he borrowed the axe. You've been there, haven't you? You've borrowed your neighbor's stuff and now you've broken it. Now you've lost it. Isn't there an anxiety that comes up in you? Now what's my neighbor going to think? Am I going to have to pay for this? I don't have the money for this. So he goes to Elisha and says it was borrowed and now I've lost it. Well, God cares about that. Elisha takes a stick. He asks him where did it sink? You know, he points over there, Elisha takes a stick and throws it over there. And miraculously, the axe head floats to the top. And then he's able to go out and get it. Crisis avoided. He can put the axe head back on the axe and take it back to his neighbor. I show these miracles to show you, they, in a sense, are simple things. Water, food. I've borrowed something and I've lost it. I'm poor, I need money. Aren't these everyday things that we all struggle with? And God cared enough for Elisha, a servant, to do miracles to provide what God's people needed. It shows me that God cares about the big things in our life, the small things in our life, everything in our life. God is always working. So take everything that overwhelms you and take it to the Lord. Peter tells us, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Brothers and sisters, God is working today. Whatever it is in your life. As I said earlier, if it's something small in your personal life, if it's something big that's a global issue, God is at work. And he's going to use you. He's going to use other servants, other people of God to be a blessing, to make change to provide needs. And when we see it happen, it may even happen in miraculous ways. But do not this morning leave here fearful, concerned, worried, overwhelmed, burdened. Cast all of your cares right now upon the Lord, for He cares for you. And look for this week how He will work in your life. And also listen to how he wants you to be the servant who's a blessing in someone else's life. And we will see God do the miraculous as he did in Elisha's day. Father, we are thankful that you are working in our life. Thankful, Lord, that we can leave here today with hope and leave here today knowing that you are working in our lives. So I pray right now, Lord, for myself, my brothers and sisters, that right now the burdens that we have, Lord, that we would lay them 
at your feet and truly be rid of them. For, Lord, you have not called us to carry them. Lord, you said for us to follow you, and you said your yoke is light and is easy. The burdens that we are carrying on our backs in our life, you didn't intend for us to carry. You want to carry them for us. So, Lord, may we now, as we come to you in prayer, give those to you, because you are a loving, compassionate, caring God. And Lord, may we watch and wait as we see you work and as we see you do the miraculous. And Lord, again, I pray that we would not forget that at times when we ask you to work, you are talking right to us and you want us to do the work of blessing and of ministry. May we listen now, Lord, if we have been called this morning like Elisha to be your servant and be a blessing to someone. Work now, Lord, as we respond. And I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing as we close our service. I'll be here in front to pray with you or to talk with you if you have any need or anything you want to make sure before the Lord. Sing with joy. Leave with hope. And leave ready to serve the Lord. And look for those blessings and those miracles that God is going to do in your life this week.